when I have the um, PGR, the one that I supervise usually, I always say to them, the first year is really about grounding yourself, finding your feet, finding yourself as a researcher. Yes, you will definitely have to find your theoretical framework or your conceptual framework at that stage. But also it's really about, yes, grounding yourself, finding your feet, trying to understand the system that you are within. And it takes time. It definitely takes time. So we need to build that within the first year. Welcome to this new episode of Beyond the Thesis with Papa PhD. This week, I have the pleasure of bringing you Dr. Amal Abu Zainab. Amal is the Institute Head of Research Students at the Institute of Architecture of the De Montfort University in the UK. She's currently supervising three PhD students, has supervised four PhD students successfully to completion and examined four PhD students so far. She served as the co-faculty head of research students for the Faculty of Arts, Design and Humanities between 2017 and 2020. Welcome to Beyond the Thesis with Papa PhD Amal. Thank you, David. So what is this this position? You know, what does this role entail, head of research students uh, at, at such an institute, at, at such a, uh, an institution? So with the Institute Head of Research Students, it's almost an academic leadership position that looking after the PhD. So the four areas, or let's say three areas that I look after the PhD students on is um, the PGR supervision and development, and also looking at the kind of like the guiding regulations and are they following, let's say, the guidelines and doing kind of yeah doing the phd in a in a good in a good way following the the guidelines and also it's about uh, kind of really communicating with those pgrs and some kind of like a strategic thinking around what kind of type of communities that we would like to foster and develop during those um, uh, during those uh, years of the phd because it's really it's a long term thing so that's kind of like broadly the, let's say, the main duties of the Institute Head of Research Student. So you can say it's, um, yeah, it's a leadership, but at the same time, looking at the PhD students while they are with us at the Institute. So once they have, let's say, became PGR with the Institute, then we will be looking at ways of developing them, uh, how it's kind of how they are working. And, and there is there are some kind of like definitely now elements of well-being as well, almost looking at those one and, and being able to post and sign posts to relevant other services within the university as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the sake of the listeners and, and also for my sake, what does PGR stand for? It's postgraduate researchers, which is, yeah, some people, they call them PhD students. And, and I think the, the term we use within our university is PGRs. I think it's a great term. I've, you know, gotten into the 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 opinion, or I've gotten the this idea and adopted it of going away a little bit from saying PhD student and saying uh, graduate researcher. I think it's. I think so because it's it's a very unique um, position in a sense, and and sometimes a student it might, yeah, it might not convey what they do in a sense. And and the main thing behind uh, a postgraduate researcher or the PhD training is really to being an independent researcher. And, and usually you try to think about that from the start. Yes, when they start, they are not independent researcher yet. 
But that's the aim. That's what we are trying to achieve within, let's say, if it's a full-time four years or if it's a part-time six to, to eight years. And, and I think that, I think, yes, moving away from the student, it might be really helpful in terms of looking at that broader development and, and also looking at the kind of, uh, of the PhD journey as a self-discovery, as it, I think it just is a huge thing. So, so we might, yeah, we might just move away from the idea of a PhD student to the PGR and someone on training or maybe an intern that they are doing this training to become an independent researcher. Yeah, and, and I believe it, it, it can have positive impact, impacts on how the graduate researchers see themselves in, you know, in society, in, in, the, in the, the potential job market, and also on how people they interact with see them. It's a very different saying I'm a student or saying I'm a researcher. Uh, you know, you're, you're seen with different eyes. <laughs> Absolutely. I think so. I agree. Totally agree with that. Now, I, I find it really interesting that this position uh, exists uh, where, where you are. And I don't know if it's something that's very common in, uh, in the UK, in, in universities and in graduate programs. But uh, talking with you before the interview, what really struck me was this um, mission and this deep um, desire that I felt uh, on your side to help graduate researchers flourish during their PhD and uh, and even uh, and I mentioned this at the beginning of the interview. Even on your LinkedIn page, you talk about uh, caring for their uh, employability, or at least helping them work uh, on that side of things. And and this is something that is often lacking in programs, which is getting graduate researchers to think early of what comes after. Anyway. Uh, and that's why I'm super happy that you're here, because I'm, I'm really curious on hearing what the model is, what types of, of approaches you use to to support and accompany uh, PGRs. But uh, maybe I'll, I'll let you choose a, a you know a starting point uh, in this in this graduate studies journey uh, with with you in your department, and we can go from there. That's great. Thank you. Yeah. So I think. I always have a really deep interest with kind of like in the PhD journey and everything. I think because, again, I reflect back on my own journey. And, and for me, because I always looked at it as kind of like that wider development and, and the opportunities were really great at the time when I did my PhD. And from that time, it's always, yeah, it's kind of like really within me that, okay, we need to think, yes, yes, you get your PhD, that's, that's fine. And, but then there are kind of, because again, with the long term in the PhD, we have really enough time to try things out. We have time to almost experience different things. And then we can decide if, what do we want to do after that? So having, and, and again, when I look back into my own PhD, I did have some kind of vision around where I want to be. It wasn't plan. It wasn't something very clear. But then my approach at that time, looking back, it was really trying so many different things while I was at the university. So there were lots of opportunities around the kind of, I took some kind of like teaching assistant, some researching assistant roles. I took a role as, um, as almost like it's called CIB student chapter, which is it's kind of like a student chapter that based on uh, looking at built environment in general. So I was the president for um, this student chapter for two years. And what I did during that time with um, other PGR, fellow PGRs, 
we did uh, some kind of like social events, but also we did some training events as well, where we almost invited each other. If someone have got an interesting method that we didn't know about, they will come and give us a session around their method. Sometimes it might be around um, where I did my PhD, we had almost like different path for a PhD. So we have the one full time. This is where I was a full time. And we have another one which is called professional PhD. So those are professionals who are really busy. And they usually just, I think they, they have kind of like dedicated days for training. And sometimes we being asked as full time uh, PGRs to come and give some kind of presentation or training around the thing that we do, because the idea is we have got more time compared to the uh, professionals. And I remember also I said yes to those ones. So I, I literally, I did say yes to so many different things. And those has really helped me to understand where I want to be and what are the things that I would like to do after the PhD. So, so it's kind of, and I think what that, what I've been trying to almost replicate and say, okay, just use the years of the PhD. Some PGRs are very clear about what they want to do. And sometimes it might be even uh, part of their development. So maybe they are academic in their countries and this is part of their development. So they come, they do their PhD and then they go back again to their, um, to their positions. But we do have, I think, quite number of PhDs who really still doesn't know what they want to do after the PhD. And, and I think that's, that's kind of like, this is where was my starting point is, okay, let's, let's use the years of the PhD, try different things, do many things and understand, um, understand the different option that is available to you and also to use the university services as well. So for example, in the UK, this is kind of like fairly standard that you will always have a career service within a university. And I always just encourage from day one, even if you don't know anything, just go and talk to them, have one-to-one -one meeting, show them your CV, show them what you are doing and what are the things that you are planning to do. And they will help you because they are dedicated for this one. They are very trained. They know the um, expectation and they understand the, let's say the job market, if we use that term. So for me, they are a great asset. And it's almost like they are accessible and you can go to them multiple times and you can have one-to-one, -one, they do workshops. So for me, that was kind of like the starting point. Let's, let's just see what is available. Try to use the resources you have, get the access that you have. You have got access to your supervision team. Ask them if you need something or if you need a, a specific skill that you would like to develop. They, they would be keen to do that with you. If there is something is kind of like in a broader university, reach out most of the time you can get those experiences while you are doing there. So that was the starting point. And then, and then I think this year I started to kind of just be more clearer about how I'm doing this, almost like reflecting back onto my own practice, as I think as all academics do, they always reflect back on what they are doing and they try to see if there is any maybe models or theories or something that maybe we can use or adapt. And, and I knew about this um, flourishing model, which comes from the positive psychology. So it's, it's PERMA for short. And uh, so P stands for positive emotion, E for engagement, R for relationship, M for mattering, and A for achievements. And I started to almost like use this as a way to engage with um, both in my role as a 
PhD supervisor, but also as Institute Head of Research student. And I started to kind of say, okay, maybe I, I was using some elements of this one, but maybe I can just now be clear about it. Okay, those are the elements I'm using and we can use it as a reflective way of looking at, okay, maybe I need to do something in, in that relationship. When um, And I can give you a concrete example. When I started my position as Institute Head of Research student, that was back in October 2022. And, and I had almost just like really informal chats with the PGR in our institute, just try to understand what is going on, uh, what are the things that they are doing. It's really try to understand the context and what they are doing. And one of the things that came out from those informal conversations, it was almost, okay, we don't come together as, as an institute or as a community. Um, there is no, maybe, maybe there was something before the pandemic, but then when the pandemic came, maybe it stopped. So that was kind of the first thing. Okay. So they are looking for that relationship, um, to be kind of like really meaningful. And then we started almost like brought it again, those monthly seminars where they can almost come and talk about their research and we call it work in progress so that everyone is relaxed. It's not, no one is coming here to judge you. We know this is a work in progress. <laughs> so that was kind of, yeah, some of the examples that just really using one dimension and try to do something with it. Mm. That's really interesting. Uh, uh, one thing that I that you said uh, that a little, you know, a few minutes ago, that's really, I think, really, really important to me is that question of just knowing the resources that are out there and and using them. You know this, uh, I, I imagine, um, and I know this. I traveled from Europe here to Canada. And you know you're not in your country. You're not, you're not in your university. I was, you know, I, I was affiliated to university in Portugal. It's not a given that you, even in the first year, and even you know up to this, you know, during your PhD, that you will know all the resources that are out there that are available to you as a, as a PGR, like you say, as a graduate student, as a graduate researcher. And I agree with you that it's a key and easy way to make things go much smoother just knowing everything that you are entitled to in terms of services so i just wanted to to say that i i agree with you and i think it's a it's a great um a great point to make that one of the first things you do is like okay you you're here you might be even here from abroad but even if you're from here let's first make sure that you know all the points of contact all the resources you know medical uh i don't know um mental health Etc. 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 I I I think it's a great great point, and I'm super super happy that you mentioned it. It may feel a little bit, you know, administrative or you know, kind of a detail, but it's not a detail. It's key. It's not. <laughs> it's a key. It's definitely a key. And I think usually when when I have the um, PGR, the one that I supervise, usually I always say to them, the first year is really about grounding yourself, finding your feet, finding yourself as a researcher, looking at yes, you will definitely have to find kind of like your theoretical framework or your conceptual framework at that stage. You have to do this, but also it's really about, yes, grounding yourself, finding your feet, trying to understand the system that you are within. And, and we know that with the PGR, or I think generally speaking, there is lots of kind of like complexity. For example, they have a management system to manage their monthly meeting and their paperwork and everything. So really knowing that 
management system, it takes time. So you need to kind of allow those times and knowing even which email to email, because again, in the UK, that's kind of like a, a common thing that usually you have either, they call it like, a, I think, graduate school or a doctoral college. In our university, Moffat University is a doctoral college. So the doctoral college will almost do the admission, will do all this admin work and also the monitoring, the um, the this even this system, the management system and everything. So knowing which email to email, I think that's again, <laughs> that's, a, that's an important thing. If you have got something with your, let's say, access to the management system, if you cannot log into your like monthly report or you cannot access something, which, which email you email? Do you email your supervisors? You don't need to. You have got those doctoral college who will look after the all this kind of like the admin support and the management of uh, of the PhD in in a in a way. So I think yeah, knowing those it takes time. It definitely takes time. Yeah. So we need to build that within the first year. Yeah, and and the the gains that you have from it, or or the loss of opportunity if you don't know them can be great, um, because you know that first year is a year like you said of adaptation of grounding yourself, and if you you know if you miss your 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 step and and you know something happens and something is going wrong and you don't have those those contacts and you don't have those channels of communications open it might impact the 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 second year third year of course absolutely yes yeah now i am really really curious about the perma uh the perma system and and you mentioned something that i've i try to you know to bring up whenever it's possible this this the importance of relationships the importance of community uh, and it's interesting that, and of course, it, it was impacted by by COVID, by the pandemic. But uh, I'm also uh, I find it interesting and and um, and actually uh, telling that is it's one of the first things you mentioned. This question of fostering relationships. Why are they? Why are they important? Uh, why is it something to maybe actually uh, con- to to concentrate yourself on? early on this building of relationships because the phd is completely is is really really tough and you have times where you kind of like really you don't know what to do you are and i think that's part of the phd itself because it's very uncertain you start something you don't know what the answer would be you don't know how you will end up and and even when you develop in the phd every stage have got really complex issues and and so on and so forth so for me that relationship is really about the support system you need that support system during good time and difficult time but yeah in a difficult time we definitely need our support system and when i say support system i like to to kind of like have it in a very wide or broad sense so not just your family and friends but also the university system itself, because there are systems there for support. We we do have like system just looking after kind of like mental health, for example. There are other systems looking at if someone have got maybe um, they kind of like they having caring responsibilities or they have got something affecting their studies. There are kind of uh, support system in place, but also your peers. I think they are really important support system, and I always say your peers, not just your peers for the PhD, but beyond the PhD, you rely on your peers as well. At the moment, when I look at the current collaborators I have, those are the ones that I did my PhD with. <laughs> so it's <laughs> so even after those so many years now, I'm still in touch with them. We do some collaboration here and there. 
we have those relationships and because again with the phd because it's um long the time is long as as let's say as if we take the model of a full time usually it's um almost like four years you have enough time to build those meaningful relationship with people around you and even with the supervisors as well so they become i always look at the um supervisory relationship is something it's kind of like a mentoring and a sponsoring sometimes and even coaching because again you you rely on them and you um not rely in a, in a sense that completely rely but you you tap into their wisdom into their experiences and if there is something that you are unclear about even if it's not very much phd related you would still tap into those relationships because of the time that you spend together looking at very specific thing and looking at it from so many different dimension and perspective. So for me, relationships in a PhD is, is a key, is definitely a key, yeah. The second letter that really got me curious and, I, and that I, I'd like to hear uh, what you had to say about it is M, mattering. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because I really wonder what, what does it mean in your experience and in, in what you do daily? So with mattering, again, when I look at it, when I reflected back with the, with the PhD, I always say PhD is a self-select. No one should push you to do a PhD. It's always self-select. You have to have that kind of, it's very self-driven. You have to be almost, this is what I want to do. And that's why the mattering is really important in that sense. So you are doing something that matters to you. And, and that's why it's, it's almost sometimes PhD, uh, the PGR will say, oh, I cannot switch off. And that's normal. Yes, because you do something that matters to you. You spend a lot of time and you spend a lot of time trying to think about what you are doing. There is a lot of thinking. There is a lot of deep work. So it does matter uh, to, like, to the PGRs. And I think that's what I'm trying with uh, is almost like as a Again, as a supervisor and as someone who supports, I always think, yes, it does matter to them. And I need to show them it matters to me too. And this is, could be by almost, yeah, being, being responsive when there is need to be responsive to what they, they need to do. And also remind them, I think at some points, the, the PGR will almost like get that lost thing where uh, do I, uh, am I doing a PhD if this will be a PhD? And then reminding them from the start how this kind of like matters to them and what does it mean to them. Again, I think that is, um, it's come, it does come natural in the PhD process. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it does. And, yeah, and because of the nature of the exercise of, of ans answering this question no one has answered before and it has to belong to you in a certain way, of course, with the support of your supervisor. No, it, it's, it, it does make sense. Now, I think, you know, uh, in some domains, let's say, uh, you know, theoretical uh, mathematics, something like that, sometimes it might be more difficult to find a direct link of what you do to, uh, uh, you know, in terms of mattering to a, a direct and, and tangible effect on the community around you. But um, but I do think that, especially going into a PhD, it's important that you reflect. Uh, if you know someone listening is considering going into a PhD, make sure that the, the subject that you choose matters to you for some reason, because 
it, you'll be you'll be married to this project for three four years. So if if that passion or if that deep interest, that deep curiosity isn't there, it might be challenging in the middle. Uh, <laughs> but I'm not saying that it's possible to you know perfect perfect project every time. But but if it's part of the reflection, I think it's going to be win. You know, it's going to be a win win for you and 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 for the for the the lab where you are, etc. It's it's very interesting. I think I just want to add to the uh, mattering dimension because again, when we say it's a self-select, because some, um, yeah, it, it again it brings that idea of yes, it matters to them because they have self-selected to do this study, they have self-selected to they want to become an independent researcher because I think that's the ultimate thing with a PhD. By the end of it, you are contributing to knowledge and you are an independent researcher and you kind of like show that there is evidence that you can then after this, you can go and carry on any independent research without supervision. So that they kind of even, although we can, we have different disciplines and subjects and everything, but this is kind of like the ultimate or the essence of conducting a PhD. And, and also when it comes to that mattering, when when the people in the PhD journey, the idea again, after they finish the PhD, they become the expert in something very specific, very small. And again, it does matter when you think about that, okay, I'm training myself or I'm within this experience to gain that very specific, it could be, it might be technical skills or it might be something else, but there is like a very specific thing that they will kind of come up with or come out having it as almost and it, it might even i think in some disciplines people after the phd still is almost like it take them 10 years they, they're still developing what they have done or they kind of like they evolve their research so it does stays with you a lot <laughs> yeah 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 no for sure for sure and so and that's why why it's important and um now now for you what would be the next we talked about the, the r you know relationships mattering what would be Maybe thinking of the people who come to you, you know, uh, graduate graduate researchers who come to you, what is the the domain that you think that they need to work on, especially and to start working on as early as possible uh, when they when they engage in their project? Yes, I think for me, what comes a lot is that engagement because when we look at the engagement from a perma perspective, it means that you can stay with something even if it's difficult and hard. And, and I think that that's literally, that's for me the key thing with the PhD. So you almost have to develop your own ways of, you know, it's a difficult thing. And, and I think, again, I always acknowledge that a PhD is a difficult thing to do. And if we start with that acknowledgement, if we say it's a difficult thing, it's, it's fine if you are feeling lots of doubts and you're thinking, I'm not doing, I'm not good enough for this, or that's absolutely fine. And that's normal and part of the process. What they need to do is almost, okay, how you develop the skills and the abilities to almost, yes, it's hard. I'm not making a progress here. It doesn't seem I'm achieving anything, but we still, we have to continue. <laughs> and, and for me, just really, it, it is really different from one person to another. Some, some PGR might have like a really high level self of awareness. So they know, okay, when things get hard and difficult and Maybe I need I need to switch off, or maybe I need to take time off, or maybe so some some they have got really high level of self awareness, 
And others, they might not have still that high level of self-awareness. And usually, most of the time, I always start to say to, to think about your self-awareness, what you are doing for that domain. Uh, maybe you can look, I always encourage to look at some of those kind of like evidence-based, psychology-based uh, tests and things like that, which are really useful in, in a way that it shows you or it gives you better understanding of yourself. So it's almost you kind of like try to research yourself. So you're not just researching the topic, but you're researching yourself, how you work, um, where do you work best, what are the timing, and even the um, the schedule of the work. Do you work better if it's Monday to Friday? Is it better for you? So I think, again, knowing that, how to almost overcome those difficult times, and, and even knowing that every stage of a PhD will always have those difficult challenges. I can give again examples, which I think it does come a lot within um, the domain or within the work that we do at the moment, which is, is more to do with architecture and built environment. And most of the um, PGR we have, they use a lot of social sciences research methods. So they, they need access to people, they need um, to be able to kind of yeah build those. And there is always difficulties in those um, let's end those time. So the idea again, do you have a plan B? Do you have a plan C? Do you have, because again, things will go wrong. It, not everything will go in a straight line. So you have maybe to come back and reflect and, and even thinking about your methods as well. Do you need to change something? Do you need to adapt something? And we had during the COVID, we have a lot of adaptation because again of the social science nature of it and that people need to go in a specific places and they need to interact with people and they need to do that. In COVID, they couldn't do that. So they were like a lot of adaptation around, okay, can you do this online? Is it possible? Do you have access to those people online? And, and again, it wasn't, um, no one was expecting that, but then it happened and then we just have to deal with it. And I think, yeah, having that, let's say, doing those muscles of being able to say, yeah, this is might go wrong, but then I can do this. I might need to collect data this way, but I might, I might have to change it. And also having that flexibility when it comes to, um, it's almost like through the PhD, sometimes you come and have a meeting with your supervisors and then they might almost like start to see things differently than you have seen them. So again, engaging with that process itself, maybe you convince them with something or maybe you change direction a little bit or you pivot. And that's all part of the learning and, and very natural process with a good PhD. I don't think you will have um, a good PhD just like without any problems. No, <laughs> I think it's part <laughs> of that. It is part of the part process. Of the process. Uh, <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I find it interesting and I, and I find it interesting that it all falls under the 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 term uh, engagement but i i kind of understand it and it feels to me that and you kind of talked about two types of of graduate researchers but thinking of the type who might you know who might have come into the phd maybe a little bit less self uh you know self motivated like you said they you know they were they did well at the masters and then they were kind of invited to move into the phd and they're maybe not ready to go into the job market and you know they went it in a more passive way let's say it's a spectrum let's say but that fall more on that side what are things exercises or habits that you that you try to get them to adopt to be to be engaged in a in a way that's going to be conducive to a better phd experience 
Yeah, I I think I have kind of like broad ideas around around this. Maybe I didn't think about it in more details, but definitely one of the things that um within let's say within those doctoral colleges are there for a reason. So they do a lot of training. It's almost training around almost how to manage your PhD, what to expect in a PhD and and because there is um almost like a the first year there is something like a probation review which is almost like just to check is this a PhD or not? And there is annual reviews and all those. So it's almost like that training part, this is usually where I try to push towards. And, and I think it's really for everyone. They have to start with kind of like those training, what is available to them. Usually we have both almost like mandatory and also um, mandatory and uh, voluntary ones. But I always say to them, just do all of them mm-hmm. because really you try to find your I feet. <laughs> yeah, do do them because you try to find your feet. You try to understand where you stand, and and also for me now, I I was reading something around what they call it active rest, where you kind of really engage in something, but is not related to what you are doing immediately. And I do f- sometimes see those trainings, either even the one that might not be related to your PhD, I see them as a way of an active rest because you can go there. Yes, you are not. Maybe you not benefit from that directly, but it will give you that space to think and maybe to make links around the thing that you were thinking about or maybe you were reading. So it's definitely, I see like huge benefits around those training courses. And and even now there is like more options. There is even you can get some online training as well. And 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 I, and I think I, one of the greatest thing now I push towards is the podcasts because it's literally you can learn while you are doing other things. So I definitely recommend podcasts as well because during my time when I was doing a PhD, we didn't have any podcasts that uh, I'm talking here about. Um, so my PhD was around between 2011 and 2015. Definitely at that time, we didn't have podcasts, but I remember what we had. I remember it was a book from the library and it's about um, almost like how to conduct a PhD, something like that, which was, again, was really useful during my time. So I always say, again, one of the things I try to encourage, not just um, almost like try to see how to conduct a PhD, find something around that, find others who have done it and learn from them. And as I said, podcasts are, are now very handy and more accessible compared to someone if if you don't like to go to your library and get a book you can listen to podcasts yeah well i hope i hope all your students listen to beyond the thesis <laughs> i hope so i definitely recommended it because i remember at some point i put some recommendation for some of the podcasts i did kind of like source and asked others and i came across yeah, a few and then i did i did recommend it for them but but it's true there is you know in your day to day as a graduate researcher I remember I started listening to podcasts and they weren't about graduate school they were science related and those have existed for a, a longer time now there's 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 a lot of good podcasts out there about graduate school etc but um, there was a part of my work which was being in the in the microscope room counting cells and uh, so it was kind of a you know brainless <laughs> activity that needed to be done uh, manually and that's when I, I i was listening to podcasts if i had had graduate podcasts i would have listened to them for sure definitely but, hey, yeah now i'm definitely. doing one <laughs> um I, I i think i really like this idea of active rest i i, I think it's it's very smart um 
and and it's very you know actionable you and it, it can motivate you to because one of the things that people and tell me if you agree pgrs uh often live or experience if they want to you know take a break is guilt uh guilt of well maybe because other colleagues are not taking breaks or maybe because just because they feel like oh if if you know uh my my supervisor will be disappointed if I, if now i'm not i'm doing something slightly different but here one thing that i would love to pick up on is that term that you said finding their their feet and you you know okay you have three years three four years to do this project but if you don't have your feet there's no point in running from day one so do do uh, do what amal just said if if you are offered any type of courses trainings etc take them all because one thing is certain once you have your degree you won't have access to any of those resources that's the thing yes yeah absolutely spot on yeah <laughs> and and uh and it's not lost time it's invested time you're investing absolutely. in yourself as a person and also as a future researcher or as a burgeoning researcher or as a flourishing researcher. yes as a flourishing one <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Oh, great. Yeah, definitely. Yes, I absolutely. I and I, I remember one of the things. Um, can remember this when happened. But I remember I was invited back into the, my own university for a talk about the PhD journey. And I remember I said, it's almost like towards the end of the talk, I said, okay, being a, a PhD student is really a privilege, and you have to take advantage of that because when you just say to people, I'm doing a PhD or I'm a PhD student, so there is kind of like that type of support and help that you will access you will have access to that you wouldn't get if if you are not in that position or in that place and i see it now i i definitely when when i look in in a uk context because yeah this is where i'm based and the the experience uh, is there there is kind of like really a lot of uh, things that coming out now around again around what people to do with uh, with their phd's there is a lot of kind of like blogs. There is um, additional uh, support that is available, and even like a central kind of support in a, in a way. There is ideas around internships, for example, so that the PhDs or the PGR can expand and can try different things. And so there is there is a lot of yeah there is a lot of uh, support at the moment when it comes to this idea of um, once you finish your because not everyone when they will finish their PhD they might. Not everyone will be an academic. I don't think so. And yeah, and then just yeah, broaden that and making sure, okay, what are the options? And looking at, I always try to look at it as, okay, what are the skills and the strength beyond the PhD? Can you take them on? Can you use them in a different way? And that become almost like the assets or the thing that you you focus on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No, I, I, I find it's really important and it's really, uh, it makes me really happy to hear that from your from where you are you can see that things are happening and that these types of resources these types of approaches are are growing in number because they're necessary and i don't know i don't know in your in your specific domain but uh, the la the latest studies i've looked at point to you know 15 to 20% of people that come out with a phd being able to then go towards a tenure track career uh, and and that leaves you know 80, 80 to 85 percent out of the uh, out of that of course there's academic uh positions that are not tenure etc cetera, etc cetera, but 
but still uh, i i think that this is one of the key if you if you want anyway in my opinion and in my view of things if we want the the phd institution to keep on going and to and people to keep on wanting to do this difficult thing pro, uh, uh, resources like the ones you mentioned that that are more that, you know that have a wider scope that allow people to consider careers in the public domain careers uh, you know in public service or or in the private even still while they're in academia it's going to be uh, it's going to be positive for everyone and i think even eventually for academia because having connections with these domains is going to be important in the future it anyway. is important absolutely and i think now there is again there is a lot of yeah a lot of kind of like encouragement and push around that collaboration between let's say if we just use two terms academia versus industry which is is not great but for clarity but then yes yeah practice and academia and how you engage those two domains and because i think now we are in a in a time where we we really are facing a lot of kind of like pressing issues and pressing problems and global issues and and it's been academia like traditionally is is the way of yes we further knowledge and we are very kind of like long term thinkers and all those kind of stuff but now there is more demand around okay can we use the knowledge and the skills and research to be able to solve some of those problems some of those complex issues and and i think yes we are in the time where we need to widen that perspective and i came across um recently or I knew about it, but I think I just I found this uh, article which is talking about the portfolio career. And the idea behind it is, again, rather than looking at job titles, you almost like you think about, OK, I need maybe I need to expand here. Maybe I can do like a secondment here to be able to show my leadership skills. And you almost you approach your career in a yeah, you have got this portfolio of different skills and maybe different experiences. And then you might then write something around it or what is the thread there and so i think that for me it could be one of the ways that we we could focus on and just talk about yeah let's talk about portfolio careers now and let's see how this can be done and even within the institutions can that be almost built can we have like a mini secondment or maybe a mini fellowship or something like that so people can still build the skills or try things out because I think you never know something until you try it out and you do the day-to-day task. <laughs> then you can decide, oh, this is for me. No, this is not for me. But we, we, need, we need places where they allow us to try things. And I think we don't have them yet. <laughs> yeah, no, but, but it, I think it will come. And, and I think, uh, like you said, there's conversations happening. Uh, there, there's uh, even institutional conversations happening. And, uh, and I... And, you know, uh, I believe conversations like ours today are 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 more and more present in in different platforms, be it podcasts or, or other. And uh, and I think uh, if you know if the universities are open to modernize a little bit um, and to explore a little bit, <laughs> also come out of the uh, of the normal routine, then then I think it'll give better outcomes. Uh, for everyone, and because one of the things that I've seen, and we, we are reaching the the end of our interview, but one of the things that I've seen and that I feel is sad is people who, you know, ten, fifteen years after they their PhD, keep uh, kind of a grief for uh, some feeling of failure of not staying in academia, for example, or um, 
you know, uh, to have negative feelings associated to this experience of the PhD. And I, I you know, I, I wish for a time where that doesn't happen or, or that becomes very, very rare. And, um, and, and I think this type of, uh, resource, this type of initiative, uh, is, is, is great. And having a department in the university that actually is caring for the life academic and outside academia of, EGRs is uh, is a great great thing to see. I think so. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think the future looks looks fine. I think we it's almost like yes, we're going in the direction in a way. I think we're going into the right direction. And as you said, having those dedicated resources, I think it's it just show the commitment. It does show that yes, we know there is something here, and we are trying to address it with a dedicated resources. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it takes out the friction for the the PGRs to to explore because it and friction and the guilt or culpability for looking because sometimes just you know i never remember being in academia and thinking oh if i look outside you know my my supervisor will be disappointed at me or something you know th things like that and uh, if this is offered by the university by the departments to the students then all of that disappears and everyone can have better uh, better outcomes for it. Amal, was there anything we missed? Because I know we didn't cover all of the letters of PERMA. Is there something, is there one last one last idea, one last key concept that you want to share uh, to, to kind of close this conversation? Okay, great. So I think I will share like the last one, which is achievement, the last dimension. And, and, and what we just really need to think about, because again, PhD is a long-term thing, and can we think about achievements along the way? For example, it might be a seminar that you go and present something to it. It might be trying some form of dissemination that you didn't try before. Uh, it might be, um, let's say, a conference paper or a journal paper or something that it just to give you a little bit of achievements along the way. And I think even the idea of trying things out and maybe um, almost go and teach your research method. What research method you are using? Can you teach that one? Is it possible? And again, those kind of like collecting those achievements along the way, it definitely help with kind of yeah having that confidence and knowing that, okay, maybe I'm not achieving the PhD because it takes time, but at least there is kind of positive progress along the way. And it, and it give again, it gives that external confidence as well. Okay, someone external have looked at this work. I have been in places where I have tried this out. And, and that definitely helped with, with kind of like the PhD itself and, and being able to say, okay, I'm going in the right direction. Mm -hmm. And that would take the form of what, of a journal of achievements? or um, I think it depends on the subject. For example, again, with the social sciences, usually they would they kind of like expect some kind of like a conference, peer-reviewed conference paper or a journal paper. But I think others um, in humanities, for example, is more to do with uh, maybe some book chapters or seminars or something like that. So I think, yeah, again, just using whatever like the language or the norm within your discipline and try to kind of engage on those ones. So or having like those achievements. So at least in the first year, maybe I have done this. Maybe I have contributed to this seminar. I have disseminated my work. I learned a new methodology or a new method that I haven't used it before. So maybe just document or do those achievements along the way so that it does help with kind of like the final motivation and the final, even when you have got those hard times. And I don't know if I can finish this, but then you go, oh, I have done this paper. I have done this seminar. So I think I can do it. <laughs> <laughs>
So it yes, yeah, serve as a reminder. Excellent, Amal. Uh, thank you so much uh, for for this conversation. I really come out of this conversation with this feeling uh, that what you are trying to do or what you're trying to get uh, graduate researchers to do is to uh, build themselves from the feet up we we you know we mentioned a few minutes ago build you know finding your feet and really it's a holistic approach because you think of, about them as a whole person and that per, in in that person there's the researcher but there's there's also the 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 human there's also the the family person or whatever uh, and it feels to me like they they shouldn't forget any of these parts they should think of themselves as a whole person who's going through this four-year process and so who needs to think ahead but who needs to take time at the beginning to find their feet and then start work walking and then eventually start you know jogging and then sprinting at the end <laughs> as we know that's the case yes. but <laughs> it, uh, I, I really 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 appreciated because we didn't we didn't ever talk about any specifics of the research the day-to-day -day. it was really always the big picture and i think often what happens is we get into a phd program and our our vision goes tunnel vision and then and then we start missing things and then we start we start uh, and especially if we at the beginning we don't do that groundwork of of building strong foundations then we pay in that year 2 3 etc so I, I'm really, really thankful that you came and shared all of this. I think it's going to be inspiring for for anyone who who watches or listens. And uh, and uh, yeah, I want to thank you for uh, for having accepted my my invitation to come on the show. Thank you, David. That was really interesting conversation, and I think I definitely I will listen back to it and reflect back because I'm hoping to yeah take flourishing this more perma approach more in a in a way and document it more. Yes. Thank you so much, uh, Amal. This was great. This was inspiring. Thank you for the work you're doing and, uh, and uh, wishing you a lot of success with, with your students. Thank you, David. And please continue doing this holistic work, looking at the kind of like beyond the thesis, I think is definitely needed. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to another Beyond the Thesis conversation with me, David Mendez, and my guest, Amal Abuzainab. If you found any value in this conversation, please share it with someone like you and help Beyond the Thesis reach as many ears as possible. And if you want to help a little bit more, please go to papaphd.com forward slash audience and fill in the survey that is there for you and leave a comment so I can give you a shout out in a future episode. Thank you for being a fan. Happy listening and happy sharing.